Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are forever your hosts. My name is Chris Alvick. And I'm Connor Thompson. Today we are bringing you March 26th through April 1st in 1992. What a year. This first day. Oh, oh, the story kills me. Oh, yeah. March 26th. Portfolios for kids put stock in future. Every small-time investor has what-if dreams. What if your grandparents had invested in IBM in the pre-computer era and left stock for you, their favorite grandchild? What if your parents had bought 100 McDonald's shares for you in 1960 or even 1970? Well, what if you bought stocks for your kids' or grandkids' future now? Financial advisors and many parents think it's a great way to educate their children about the business world and teach them how to be savvy consumers when they grow up, all while watching their investments grow. It would be hard to find a bigger booster of stocks for children than Betty Taylor. The Kansas City school teacher makes a habit of buying stock in her grandchildren's names before they're even born, and with her husband runs an investment club for four generations of her family. Betty said, every time we take the children to McDonald's, they say, we own part of this company. That's cute. In grade 10 business class, we had a similar type of what-if investment scenario. We were given 10000 fictitious dollars and told to invest in stock. I don't remember what I invested in, but I... Maybe I mean Apple's been on the fucking up and up since yeah. then. Eh, maybe it's peaked, but no, um, you know what? Apple was part of the portfolio. I think I split it into thirds. Yeah. Like I won the competition for the class, and I thought it would be a really cool idea if that summer I took a thousand dollars that I earned from working and actually made those investments and held on to it for like a decade, and I didn't. And now I'm poor. That would have been... I or mean, poorer, at least. We've all had that. Like, I remember when Google went public in, like, 2005 or 2006. Oh, gross. Uh, might have been 2004. Either way, uh, whenever they went public, I was like, man, I just want to buy a couple stocks, but I have no fucking money or knowledge on even how to get started with investing. You know what the problem is? I don't know how. Ten years from now, we are going to look back on this, maybe even this conversation, and think, God damn it, why didn't we just take a $1,000 and invested in Under Armour or Apple or whatever. Something. Netflix. I should I should buy a stock. That should be something I we do should in buy 2017. Stock. Buy something. Yeah. Just so I can at least figure out how to buy a stock. This is now a financial advice podcast. All right. We need some. Put all your monies in pumpkins. Ooh. Is monies a, an, an investing term? I don't know. It is now. Yep. Let's move on to March 27th. Two producers of Batman sue Warner. Two executive producers of Batman on Thursday sued Warner Brothers and the producing team of Peter Gruber and John Peters contending that they were cheated out of millions of dollars when the fifth highest grossing film of all time showed a supposed net loss of $20 million. Hollywood accounting. Oh yeah, that is Hollywood accounting at its finest. That's fantastic. There's gotta be like... I can understand some things doing this kind of Hollywood accounting, but like when you're raking in that much money, there comes a point where, you know, you're rolling up in your Mercedes Benz and you're the guy in the $5,000 suit (laughs) saying, I can't afford to pay you 20 bucks. And you're just like, really? Come on. It's one thing if you roll up in like a beat down, like 
$3,000 suit. Oh. March 28th, eight arrested in scheme to sell arms to Iraq. Six former high-ranking officials in the Polish government and two Southern California men have been arrested in a U.S. Customs Service sting operation for allegedly trying to sell $96 million worth of arms to Iraq, federal officials said on Friday. The alleged international arms ring was uncovered by customs agents posing as frontmen for the Iraqi government, according to authorities. Solid as a rock. I have nothing to add to that. How about March 29th? Let's see. Oh, this is depressing. Car speeding over 100 crowds. Crashes, man dies. A 19-year-old man on his way to a college fraternity party was killed late Friday when the car in which he was riding with four other teens veered off Highway 52, presumably in California because we get most of this from the LA Times, because they really have the best archive. Um, New York Times, get rid of your fucking paywall. Uh, Toronto Star, come on, just hit us up. We want to use Canadian news, but you make it difficult. All news behind a paywall is fake news. You heard it here. Hashtag fake news. Hashtag paywall. Uh, LA Times, best news, greatest words. Anyway, back to this depressing story. Mm. All occupants were ejected from the car. John Ferguson of San Diego was killed when his night or when the 1988 BMW, which he was riding in, ran off the westbound lanes of the freeway as it tried to pass between two cars while traveling at speeds in excess of 100 miles per hour. The driver, who suffered serious injuries, has been charged with felony drunk driving and vehicular manslaughter. The other three passengers sustained moderate injuries. That's always the case with drunk driving ca- with things. The- oh, the drunk driver never dies. Oh yeah, they They're invincible. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the radio on my way here to record this podcast, and someone in Toronto was driving 147 kilometers an hour in a 50 kilometer an hour zone. What? For Americans listening, uh, 50 kilometers an hour is like the average road speed. That's 35, I think. I'd love to translate that into miles an hour. I think it's 35. The Imperial System's bullshit. Oh, yeah, it is. That's the official opinion of the podcast. Oh, Uh, that is a very official opinion. Crazy speeds. Anyway. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Yeah, don't fuck around. Wait until uh, autonomous cars. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, love autonomous cars. March 30th. The 64th Academy Awards were held today, honoring the best films of 1991. The Sounds of the Lambs won Best Picture, with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster winning Best Actor and Actress for their performances. Uh, Beauty and the Beast won Best Score, and Best Original Song, because Beauty and the Beast. Tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme. Beauty and the Beast. Come on. March 31st. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, you just moved along for me. Yeah, I did. Old friends meet again as new dads. Two old friends from New York wanted more than anything to see each other after 17 years apart. But even after one joined the other in Los Angeles three months ago, their busy schedules prevented a reunion. Until last week, that is. Tommy Edwards and Walt Baby Love met unexpectedly outside the delivery room at Tarzana Regional Medical Center. Tarzana, that's a fun name. uh, Where both their wives were scheduled to give birth by cesarean sections. Odd specification. Edwards and Love became friends when they were disc jockeys with back-to-back shows at a New York radio station in the early 70s. Through the years, as their careers took them to different areas of the country, they managed to keep in touch by phone but they never managed to meet up again until now. How the fuck is this newsworthy? And I I don't mean from you. I mean, like, how did this make it into a paper? It's a cute little feel-good story. It's something nice to end out the week. Yeah. Oh, all right. We, uh, well, I seem to have neglected (laughs) putting in April 1st. We are now ending the week. Yeah. Um, Prematurely by cesarean section. Ooh. Yeah. 
Let's just throw in April 1st next week? Yep. All right, we're going to lump in April 1st sometime next week, probably at the beginning of it. Okay. And we'll move on to movies and music for now. In the box office, there are a couple gems here, so we're just going to give you the regular old rundown. Yeah. Uh, White Men Can't Jump in the number one spot. I want to see that. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. It's a good one. Snipes, I think. Woody Harrelson, obviously best known for his part in Rampart. Oh, yes. We must talk about that movie. Um, Cheers to Rampart. Yep. Also, Basic Instinct. Wayne's World's on here. My Cousin Vinny. One of my favorite shitty movies. Stop or my mom will shoot. What the fuck is that? That is a Sylvester Stallone movie. No. Where, where he's a cop, but well, his mom like gets in on the action. It's a great movie. You know what? Uh, also in the box office, we've got the original Beauty and the Beast. It's weird to say the original, isn't it? That is uncomfortable. Yeah. Look at Stallone's face in that picture. It's excellent. Do you not think at that time, or like maybe a few years sooner, if they did a live-action Beauty and the Beast, and he could speak sentences, he would have made a good Gaston? Oh, maybe. Look at how large the gun is that that old woman is holding. Oh, yeah, it's comically... Estelle Getty. She's hilarious. Comically large gun. Anyway, uh, what else is on here? Hook. Hook's the last one. Ooh, Hook, nice. Robin Williams. Yes. Uh, JFK's on there. Yeah. Never seen that movie back into the left let's not worry about it yeah uh let's move on to music we will talk briefly about albums at number one rope mm. in the wind garth brooks from this angle that word looked like a different word like uh yep yeah uh number two nirvana never mind with that naked baby oh yeah every now and again i see the current picture of the man who was the naked baby was like, it a man? yeah it's a dude okay pretty sure it's a dude i couldn't yeah because you see his little wiener Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, thanks. That uh, is generally a male uh, thing. Thanks for letting me bring that up. What else is on here? You have the list. Wayne's World soundtrack. Um, that has got to have some good stuff on it. It does, for so sure. So I think we need to look it up. Um, obviously, obviously, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Yeah, that goes without saying. Hot and Bothered mm. by Cinderella's on there. Dreamweaver is a good one. Ooh, okay. Sikamekaniko. Sikamekaniko. Chili Peppers? Which one is that? That's an early one. I've talked about how I'm not a big fan of the Chili Peppers. I disagree. But- I mean, I have obviously said that. I disagree with your personal taste. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is they have, they have been growing on me a little bit. As they do. If you asked me two years ago. You were not. If I liked the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I would have said, I'm not really a big fan. I kind of like that song Santeria, in which you probably would have said that's sublime. It sure is. And then I just would have felt really embarrassed. But I think I've moved on. Mm. Um, Ballroom Blitz is on here. Oh, nice. Nice. That's a good one. Ballroom Blitz. It says it's performed by Tia Carrere. Because uh, in the movie, it? she did. Okay. She was the one who sang Ballroom nice. Blitz. It's been a while since I've seen Wayne's World. Also, if you can pull it off, one of the greatest karaoke songs. Yeah. Oh, because when, yeah. It gets, oh, uh, if it you gets can jam dance. Ballroom Blitz, it gets serious. Yeah. That's a good album. Ballroom Blitz. Oh, yeah. Let's actually is, move back to What else is on this damn list? Unforgivable by Natalie Cole. That's mm. an album that. Oh, more Garth I Brooks? Forgot. No, <sighs> thank you. Garth Brooks, why you sound so much Fucking in the 90s? Everywhere. I don't care. Dangerous Michael Jackson. Meh. Luck of the Draw. Bonnie Raitt, not interested. Time, Love, and Tenderness. Michael Bolton. The man's a gem. It is. I think that's so good that we cut this top 10. Off at eight. Yeah, people use the term America's sweetheart not to talk about Michael Bolton, and I feel like that's a mistake. I feel like, you know, there's there's some words you can put on there to, like, qualify it, like, America's sweetheart of the year 2004 or something. That might not be Michael Bolton, but if you were to just, all in all, encompass the sweetness and the heart I of swear, America. If I ever find yeah. out that Michael Bolton's actually a piece of shit, 
I'm going to be so upset. Oh, yeah. That I've got hurt. him built up in my mind as like this wonderful man. This wonderful man with like that deep but sandpapery voice. Yep. But like a smooth sandpaper. Like this is like a like a 120 grit. Not quite a finishing sandpaper, but like he's like, not he's not tearing you up. Like he's, he's not he's not a hugger. But when he does hug, like it's the kind of hug that people would write a book about. Yeah, there's some memoirs in there. Yeah, it's a serious embrace. Uh, let's do some channel surfing. Yeah, let's. What uh, was on TV this week? You know what I think we should do? What if we talk about some of the TV shows we wouldn't want to watch? Some something we've never seen before, but that might be okay. So are we just talking like? <laughs> there's a bottom five here. Oh yeah, there's a bottom five. Let's talk about that. Sunday comics by Fox. Okay. Uh, this is actually all Fox. <laughs> the bottom five is all Fox. That's fantastic. <laughs> Marilyn, something's got to give. I have no idea what that is. Maybe True, it's something about Marilyn Monroe. True Colors, don't know. And Hidden Video and Hidden Video 2. Are those made for TV movies, maybe? I think they're probably maybe. Or just shitty movies? I think it's tri- Fox trying to do some kind of amalgamation between cops, but trying to appeal to America's Funniest Home Videos. I think... This is where we leave this segment. What's on TV this week is anything but Fox. Fox. Anything but Fox. I'm down with that. I mean, we obviously know there's good shit on. Yeah. This is what this is what is (laughs) not to watch. This is what you weren't watching. Yeah. And if you were, Mm. we're sorry. Let's talk about some 90s news now. You saw Beauty and the Beast. I saw Beauty and the Beast. It was great. I loved almost everything about it. And I don't want to go into too much detail just because there probably are podcast listeners who want to see this movie who haven't seen it yet. So maybe this is something we'll revisit in a couple months or maybe never. Also in 90s news now, Power Rangers is out. Neither of us have seen it yet. I I need to see it. I'm upset. One of our friends sent me a Snapchat uh after he left the theater saying that it was one of the best movie going experiences not necessarily oh. meaning that's a great movie but still a good time out at the movie that is high praise and i'm very concerned that that sentence is going to build it up for me and i don't want it to i'm still i'm still keeping my caution okay but i am also hopeful and i don't know it's it means something because power rangers was i believe the first movie that i saw alone like without parents and i think i've mentioned this before because i'm pretty sure any parent was like that that's not happening i don't care how old you are you'll be fine for two hours if not i'm willing to take that risk because i'm not willing to sit through this movie 20 years later cautiously optimistic i'm somewhat cautious i'm very optimistic okay uh lastly we still don't know what Canadians are. Are we muggles? Are we nomads? We're muggles, goddammit. Believe in your heart. I wonder if there's a shift. Like, my dad says a lot of weird Canadian terms that I don't. Like Chesterfield. Growing up, he would always talk about the Chesterfield. Now, it's a fucking couch. Yep. This is a couch. So maybe... Well, your dad's also English, though. Not directly. Like, he was born in Canada. Mm. I, I feel like it's a couple, he's a couple generations removed from England. So, I don't know. That's, uh, I think it's just because he's a lot older. Like, he's, yeah. my dad's 70. So, I wonder if maybe older generations are maybe calling, calling them muggles and maybe the hip young people are like, no, nah, man, they're no match. Mm. I wonder if it's a point of contention among it the wizarding be. community in Canada. These are all questions I would love answered. And J.K. Rowling, if you would just hit us up, all we need is muggle or nomad. We just need quick response. Just let us know. Oh, God. All right. Moving on to this week on. Every week we ignore friends and discuss an episode of The Simpsons or Seinfeld. 
This yeah. week is one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons because of the one. song that Homer sings, and we'll get there. After yet another row with Marge, Homer goes to a bar where he hears local waitress Lurleen Lumpkin sing and is so impressed he takes her on as his client, arranging gigs and a recording contract for her. However, when they're alone in her trailer, Lurleen makes a pass at him, but Homer, loyal to Marge, resists and hands over her career to another agent. Lurleen publicly celebrates Homer's fidelity in a song. More importantly, though, is the song that Homer sings. Oh, Margie, well, you came and you brought me a turkey. Is that a different episode? Different episode. Motherfucker. Potential infidelity. God damn it. As soon as I started singing it, I knew. I'm so... Uh, it's like, where does the turkey I've play? I've ruined it. I've ruined everything. I mean, I just... I, I didn't even consider that until now. There are multiple episodes dealing with Homer's potential infidelity. Um, there are probably new ones, too. We just don't know about them because we don't, don't watch them anymore. Well, I mean, and even uh, Marge's infidelity with the one with Jacques. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. That is a good one. And that's like, a, I think, a season one episode as well. Uh, this is still a really great episode. Oh, yeah. uh, this is Colonel Homer. Also, it's one of the hardest you ever see Homer working in the entire series. That's true. He manages to He's manages a legitimate to somewhat, agent. Yeah, like, Homer, why are you working at a nuclear power plant? Be a fucking <laughs> talent agent. You're good at it, apparently. Like, yeah. he managed to book her gigs and shit. And then afterwards, her just life spiraled out of control, as you see in the monorail episode where she uh, That's true. spent last night in a ditch. Yeah. Also, something I just learned when I was uh, looking up the plot synopsis for this episode. Did you know that Beverly D'Angelo was the voice of Lurleen Lumpkins? Beverly D'Angelo, maybe best known as uh, Mrs. Clark Griswold, Christmas Vacation? Yeah, that's what I would know her best as, which was just surprising. I've never really thought about it, but... I kind of imagined it would have been like a contemporary country music star, like Dolly Parton or or something like that, that would have provided the voice or like Reba McIntyre, but... Still cool. Beverly D'Angelo. Interesting. Yeah, good stuff. All right, let's move into our 90s spotlight. This one is more of just a, you know, just a casual conversation. Wood. It wasn't cool in the 90s. We will be talking about the decade that Wood forgot, yep. and that was the 1990s. Well, think about it for a minute. Prior to the 90s, there were so many Wood things, real and fake. TVs that were made out of giant wood panels. Later on, faux wood paneling on TV. Cars. Cars. Ugh. Station wagons and I love shit. Them. With the With the faux wood paneling, you're into that? Oh, I love them so much. Like a like a seventies station oh, wagon, yeah. the Vista Cruiser. It's a boat. Well, it didn't have wood paneling, but still, I feel like this was something that was kind of unpopular by the time the nineties rolled around. Like for ten years, we just didn't really like wood anymore. Yeah, I grew up with the impression that wood is is lame, it's stupid. You use it when you have to. Mm. Otherwise, you use metal. You use plastic because those are our space age material. Wood grows on trees wood is trees and that's not cool like we were talking about down the street from me one of the guys i grew up with jesse in his backyard he had like a small kids playground that i'm pretty sure came like a build kit that his dad built that was wood but everyone else i knew who had like a playground or jungle gym of some kind or swing set it was all plastic and metal oh yeah i had a i had a swing set when i was really little and it was definitely plastic and metal if you have like a little um like a little slide or something yeah. obviously that's going to be made out of plastic but prior like, to that you know we didn't have any like wooden seesaws or or anything really made out of wood at all. Besides and, like, nice pencils. restaurants were not serving meals on, like, wood planks or anything like that. Like, mm -hmm. wood really 
went out of style it for was. I think more than the nineties. I think into the early into the early two thousands. Start that. I mean, a rebound takes time. Yeah, when it's come when back a ball into hits the ground, it oh takes a while before the player snatches it in his hands and goes for the slam dunk. We are recording this podcast. The microphone is sitting atop of half of a wooden barrel that has been fashioned into a coffee table. It's very nice. Yeah. But in 1990, this would have been outdated. Yeah, it would have looked not great. But now, sometime in the mid-2000s, I think it rebounded. That wooden basketball player caught it in his hands. Oh my god! Threw it into that. This I'm, again? I'm dropping the. I'm dropping the <laughs> basketball reference. It's not a good analogy. Anyway, it rebounded. It became rustic. It became artsy. And when I see wood nowadays in in restaurants and design accented, it looks nice. I feel good about it. it. Feels natural. I know. And in a way, that's you know what I think killed it. Mm. Faux wood. Yeah, probably. And I'm not talking about like well, veneer finish or anything like when that. When we first, like when my family first moved into their current house, all the walls were wood paneling. We yeah. still have wood paneling in the basement. I remember arguments because my dad loved the wood paneling in the living room and my mom fucking hated it. Because it was the 90s. Because it was the 90s cool. and it wasn't goddamn cool anymore. Yeah, and I think, I think that's what killed it. That's about like enough of that, right? Fake plastic wood, yeah. wood paneling on cars, and more so like the wood, uh, fake wood on TVs. Plastic wood is not cool. It's true. Real wood, especially like skid wood, that's where it's at. Well, skid wood's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, this podcast is not brought to you by wood. However, we do have a sponsor. So every week on the show, we like to uh, bring you a sponsor. Sometimes they're real, sometimes they're fictitious. Sometimes they're not quite what they seem to be. Yes, there's more than meets the eye. Oh, unfortunately, this episode is not brought to you by the Transformers. Yeah, unfortunately, this is not brought to you by the Transformers. <sighs> However, Michael Bay, we'll take your call. We will. I'll have a lot of questions. Try mm. to treat him with some respect. Uh, and he's made he's made some good movies possibly question mark yeah question mark uh we're obviously not brought to you by michael bay nope what is possibly equally insulting though that stuck in the 90s is brought to you by this week is shock jocks say what i feel like that was a radio drop that shock jocks used. Oh, probably like, uh, or like the lasers oh yeah but you might say shock jocks are still around and you do a podcast about the 90s shut up to that i guess we say shut up but yeah. we also acknowledge that However, in my opinion, possibly in Connor's opinion. Mine too. Yeah. Shock jocks are something that we think should have ended perfectly right around the turn of the century. If only. During the 90s, shock jocks were a source of edginess and in-your-face humor that wasn't readily available elsewhere. They kind of pushed the boundaries, and I guess they gave some of us a good laugh in the process. I was never a huge Shock Jock fan, but... Obviously, the big name that comes to mind is Howard Stern. Yes, for I was us, huge into Howard Stern. I liked Howard Stern, but we didn't really have access to him. Like, yeah. we couldn't hear him on the radio. No, that's um, true. In Canada, though, we had guys... Well, I mean, this is 2000s, like Dean Blundell. How long has Shred and Reagan been around for? Shred and Reagan have got to be those in guys, the 50s by yeah, now. Yeah, those guys have got to be around. They, uh, and they're still doing it, yeah. which is interesting. Because <laughs> um, towards the end of the 90s, a little thing called the internet started to grow in popularity. And there we had a medium of content that wasn't limited by radio producers or the needs of sponsors or the fact that the FCC won't let you be or let me be me. So let me see. They tried to shut them down on MTV. And it I don't think it feels so empty without shock jocks. Mm. Anyway, online you could push the boundaries as far as you want. And that wasn't necessarily a good thing and isn't necessarily a good thing. But yeah. 
it started to make shock jocks look kind of lame in comparison. So I think we want to thank shock jocks for keeping your offense somewhat moderate, kind of like a nine-year-old lashing out and sort of making us laugh at dick and fart jokes when we were 10. Well, I think like the, the shock jock had to evolve or they died. Like Howard Stern is the prime example. He went from being a shock jock to legitimately one of the best and most requested interviewers in the world right now. Like Howard Stern's quality of interviewee or i guess studio guest went up a hundredfold once he started doing interviews like he's a very and this is a weird descriptor he's a very good human like you feel like he's an actual person with empathy and feelings and he's got a very high emotional intelligence to him so when you're sitting in an interview it's not like he's just reading his list of 10 questions it's a conversation Mm. and that's something that i at least really look for yeah and that's and that's something i don't see with with shock jocks i don't see that human value i just see trying to get a ruse out of someone there's nothing there's no substance whereas i guess this evolution of howard stern is someone who's asking real questions who isn't just trying to get some sort of reaction out of somebody and and I can applaud that. Yeah, shock jocks are dead. Or should be. He evolved. Evolution is real. It's true. You know what else is real? Our website, stuck in the 90s podcast.com. So smooth. You can find us online there. Uh, if you want to be a $10 sponsor, we haven't had one of those in a while, actually. Yeah, it's, like, been, it's been a bit. The well's not running dry, but the, the sponsors are getting funkier. If you would like to help legitimize this podcast, you can email us at stuck in the 90s podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuck in the 90s Podcast. We're on Twitter at SIT90s, SIT90s. Uh, I think that's the end of all the stuff. Pretty much. Um, It's all basically Stuck in the 90s Podcast. Yeah. You can find us using that. Next episode, because I wrote it down before we started, we are doing April 2nd to 8th, 1996. We're gonna have There's going to have to be something we're gonna for April 1st. We're going to have to put the April 1st in there, too. We'll, we'll wedge it in there somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, eight-day week next week. It's going to be a leap week. Oh. Here on Stuck in the 90s. I've got nothing else to add. The podcast is is now now over. over.